You are now entering the Nintendo Power Zone. Now you're podcasting with power. Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. Guys, welcome to the first episode of a brand new spin-off podcast called Nintendo Switch It Up. This is where we're going to bring you the best Nintendo Switch related news topics. As always, I'm your host, Nice1983. And I'm your co-host, Mario After Party. And guys, last night was Nintendo's highly anticipated Switch presentation. Tonight, we're going to break it down. We've had 24 hours to sit on it and digest it. We've got our thoughts together. What we're going to do now is we're going to break it all down. Let's start with the console itself, man. Let's just dive right in and start with the console itself because it's just an amazing thing. So the first thing they wanted us to know was that there are three ways to play the console. You can play it at home, play anywhere, and play together. When they say play at home, they're talking about the docked format. So you basically take the tablet, dock it, and you just play off of your TV. Very similar to the standard console experience. So it's like nothing is new there. You know how to play it. Although you take your Joy-Cons and you stick them in the grip or you buy that Pro Controller, which, by the way, that Pro Controller is very sick. Then you have your Play Anywhere function which is basically take the tablet out of the dock, add your Joy-Cons to the side, and you play it like you would a DS. I mean, and that, I I honestly think that's going to be my priority way of playing, just because I do most of my Nintendo gaming handheld. Uh, It's only with the Wii U that I've transitioned to playing a lot more of the console Nintendo games, like, full-time. But it's going to be awesome to know that I can take Splatoon on the go with me. So that's neat. And then you have your play together, which they call this their tabletop mode. So essentially you take this, you know, the tablet off the dock, flip the kickstand back, take your Joy-Cons, hand one to your friend, and you take the other one, and you just play two-player games together. And they call that sharing the joy. Get it? Sharing the joy? Because they're called Joy-Cons? So they just wanted you to know right off the bat that there were multiple ways to play with the Nintendo Switch. I mean, we kind of got all that from that trailer that they showed back in October, but it was definitely nice to see it all and know how it's really all going to work. And man, I'm, I'm excited. Any particular way that you're going to play this, uh, the majority, how are you going to play this mostly, man? Well, I mean, it's there really is only... I mean, they say there's three ways to play, but you're pretty much playing it docked or undocked. The play together feature um, is part of the play anywhere feature. So that's just like an extension of uh, being able to take that switch in, in its portable mode and, you know, just kind of break it down even further so that, you know, you can just hand 
half your controller to a friend and and play it like that but <clears throat> yeah i'm excited it i mean it's um that that those were things that they showed in the trailer though so that's this is nothing that this is nothing new we already knew this the the true excitement of this nintendo switch conference was um in the talking points that followed this which is how you can um you know kind of put all this together like when they said that you can connect up to eight switches in a in a local network together i thought that's awesome like you know it's 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 like the 3ds you know you can connect up to um i believe you can connect up to eight of those as well uh in certain games but um, oh, I know you could with the uh, the DS. Maybe not. Maybe the 3DS is different. But um, but yeah. So I, just knowing that I can go out there and you know, even when you're not connected to the internet, just if you see four or five other people with their Nintendo Switches out, and you guys all want to race Mario Kart, you know, Deluxe, you know, you can do it. Now, what remains to be seen, though, is are they going to um, carry the same features that the 3ds has in some of its games where you can um, kind of share the game with someone else who doesn't have it you know if 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 I have Mario Kart 8 deluxe and you don't is it going to give you a limited version of the game so that you can still play along with me or are you gonna have to have the game to play it I am fairly certain that they're not going to carry that functionality over I mean they're banking a lot on on what the capabilities of the Switch are, so I'm fairly certain that they're going to go balls deep in making sure that they sell that 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 their sell through rate is as high as possible. Like the buzz for the Switch is still really positive. That's one thing that I want to make note right off the bat. Nintendo's presentation left everybody in a fairly good mood. There were a lot of things that we're going to talk about later that shows that Nintendo has learned from previous mistakes. Um, not completely. Like, let, let's be honest. I'm only about 90% happy with everything that I saw. I'm not 100%. But 90% is much better than the happiness level that I felt when they announced the Wii U. When they announced the Wii U, even as a die, you guys know me, I'm a diehard Nintendo fan. I live, breathe, and at one point, Eight Nintendo, literally eight Nintendo cereal. So I live, breathe, and eat Nintendo. And with the Wii U, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced just because I thought it thought it was a stupid name. I thought the marketing was stupid. There was a lot of stupid that followed with the Wii U. But I'm like 90% happy, and that's a huge step going forward. And as long as Nintendo can continue to make strides with the Switch, I could be hundred percent happy within a year with this console. All right, but uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited. You know, I take a lot of road trips. You know, we have family that live out of state, so we drive around a lot, and I know you do too. And one of the biggest issues was I want to bring my Wii U places with me, but it's tedious to, to take all those cables, all those things, and do all that. It looks like with the Switch, I mean, unless you want to play docked, you don't really need to. You can literally just take the tablet and your Joy-Cons and go on a road trip, and you'll be fine. Like that's that's the thing that I love about the the Switch is that 
the biggest problem I had with the Wii U was it's fundamentally impossible to move it once it's in a particular spot. Right, which most consoles are because most consoles are not portable. That's why the Wii U is, I mean, as great as it is with the gamepad idea, it's only portable within, you know, your own household. Like you can take your gamepad into another room, but even then you can't take it too far because it does have a range on it. So the gamepad for the Wii U was kind of like foreshadowing for the Switch in that it was a step in the right direction. And in hindsight, you can see Nintendo was always going in this direction. But for those of you who have um, PS Vitas or 3DSs, you know how enjoyable portable gaming is. Um, Because portable gaming consoles or handhelds offer something different from mobile gaming. They offer something a little bit more, um, I would say, it's it's a little bit deeper than the experience that you can get on a mobile game. And even though there are some um, great mobile games, you know, that have emerged over the last few years, which are starting to um, turn mobile gaming into a credible gaming market, you know, handheld gaming still provides those really in-depth, um, very high-quality, polished experiences that you still can't get on mobile gaming right now. So, you know, and I've brought my Wii U to Tampa. I didn't bring it uh, this this year, but the year prior I brought it so that we could play Splatoon together while I was on um, vacation. And it is tedious. It's a pain in the ass. You know, I, I bought like a special... Uh, like gamer backpack that, you know, is padded on the inside so that you can uh, transport um, consoles and, uh, you know, laptops and stuff. And it's, it's a pain. And now this is the first console that is going to be a handheld console hybrid. And it, you're right. It makes it so much easier. And the possibilities with that, I think are really going to enhance a lot of games, um, just, you know, looking at, even though Mario Kart 8 wasn't shown in the presentation, the Mario Kart um, video is on Nintendo's YouTube page, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, and I'm just thinking, like, God, you know how easy it's going to be just, you know, to play Mario Kart on a road trip, like, if you're, you know, in the car with your friends, and, you know, you're, you're not driving, and you can just sit back and relax, you can still have that great console experience in the car. I mean, it's it's amazing. I, I 100% agree with you. Um, but in retrospect, it makes me feel like the Wii U was a stopgap system. Basically, we need to put something out until we actually have the right idea because our current console, which at that time was the Wii, was so outdated when you compared it to the PS3 and the Xbox 360, and when you knew that the PS4 and the Xbox One were on the horizon, it made the Wii look like basically a child's toy. And Nintendo needed, like, just some hardware. And that's what it looks like the Wii ended up being. It's like, it's just a piece of hardware to fill the gap until the actual idea that they have is ready. That's what this feels like, and it 
and it, it, it's almost exemplified by how short the lifespan of the Wii U is. Even though the games on the Wii U are fantastic, they're the best versions of the games that, that we all love and some new IP, I still believe that the Wii U is a stopgap. And it, was, it seems like it was an, always intended to be a stopgap because of the advancements that got made within you know, a four-year period. Yeah, um, that's true. Although I think that I like how they started the presentation off by going into the history of all their consoles and kind of show, it, it kind of was like them doing a little self-promoting, like, you know, we've always been innovative and you can, you can see why, but it was also showing the, you know, the path that they took to get to where they are now. And, you know, I, there were some of the thing, some things I kind of either didn't know or forgot, like when they started introducing all of their uh, consoles and they're like, well, the 64 was the first console ever to have an analog stick. And I was like, you know, I think I, I did know that, but I just, I'd forgotten. And that's, that's a really, you know, interesting point. And then they, they keep going and they're like, well, and then they, they have the, the Wii with, with the, you know, first console with the motion censored controllers. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, the switch is using that technology from the Wii and they're just refining it and making it a little bit more precise to, to use so that you can use both controllers in like, you know, the game that they showed uh, arms, which actually looks really fun. And, and so they have all these, you know, they're, they're taking the best, aspects of like every generation and then when you get to the wii u you know like you said it's it's like kind of like that um that stop gap in a way where they're just they're they're taking that best aspect of it of trying to make it portable like with the gamepad and the the touchscreen gamepad and they're taking that because the um it has a touchscreen on the, uh, the on the tablet. On the tablet, so so they're you know, and then and then they they made it fully portable, not just portable so that you can walk around your house and play, but portable so that you can actually take this thing anywhere. And they're taking the best, most innovative, you know, revolutionary aspects from each generation, and this is another first if, for the video game industry. And they said as much. They literally said those exact words like, we have taken the the best parts and put it all here in the Switch. Uh, and I, I agree. They, like, they really did. Like All the things that we love about those individual consoles do find a way to make it into the, the system itself. Um, specifically, the Joy-Con. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the Joy-Con. The Joy-Con has a lot of these features. So let's talk about some of the things that the Joy-Con has. It has a brand new HD rumble feature. Now, the way they demonstrated this to me came off it came across weird. Um if you think about it, we've had rumble technology since the 64. Um it's something that gamers still want. Uh for the life of me, I still don't completely understand why we want, you know, the 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 rumble but it looks like on the Switch that that rumble functionality in specific games, because of how 
well, HD it is, it's going to make a difference. So the way they demonstrated it was you could feel like an ice cube in a glass cup, or you could feel when there were multiple cubes in the cup, and then you could feel if the cup had a liquid in it or water and the ice cubes, and it would feel completely different just depending on what was happening in the game. So even though I thought it came across weird that that's something that we're highlighting, you know, over 20 years after its introduction, we're still highlighting Rumble features. Yeah, some part of me is glad that it's still there because games like Splatoon kind of make the Rumble feature in Splatoon kind of makes the game fun, except when you know the ink strike is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it does give you some clues to help you um, avoid things like that in the game. And I did think it was kind of cheesy, like, you know, it, it felt like they were just basically trying to advertise something like Wii Sports. And I understand that they have to make those games because those pull in the casual players and those are the games that the non-gamers are going to enjoy because they're the ones that you, you know, you use when you're when you're throwing a party and you got the Switch. And it's like, hey, try this. It's like when everyone had to try Wii Bowling. I remember, you know, there would be like, you know, somewhere in the house, like if someone was throwing a party, there'd be a Wii and everyone would have to try the tennis or everyone would have to try the bowling because it was new. It was innovative. Um, this isn't quite as innovative or new, but, it, you know, I, it, it is. it does feel that like, you know, party game, like, you know, little gimmick. And those are the games that they have to push those out during the launch of the console. Um, so I understand why they're doing it, but this, this, and you know, I did think that the quick draw thing was kind of cheesy too, but, um, all of that precision and sensitivity in those controllers, it seems cheesy now, but in my mind, I was thinking, okay, there are games that could utilize this to great effect. Mario Party. Think of how innovative they can make the new mini game, the the new uh, mini games in Mario Party, with this uh, HD Rumble. Like, it's already going to enhance the system, uh, or going to enhance the game that the system is portable now. Because, you know, I have Mario Party Star Rush and. Um, it's a it's a really fun game, and I really like the the changes that they've made to the Mario Party series with this edition. But like any Mario Party game, it sucks when you have to play it by yourself because most Mario Party games just don't have a in they just don't have enough for the for the single player mode, and it's not engaging enough. And the competitive aspect between you and and your friends and getting to screw over your friends and steal stars from them and all this. That's the fun part of Mario Party. And that's kind of been the most difficult part of having that franchise on a console because really you've got to be with other people to, you know, to enjoy it. So now that that is going to be on a portable console, I know that like, it's going to, it's going to help the Mario Party series a lot too, because now um, you know, just like you can with the 3DS, you can take it to to someone else's house and connect with everyone else's Switch. And I think in that 
situation, you will see more um, uses for the HD rumble that will, I think people will appreciate it more, but I don't think those games have come out yet because the games that are going to be using the HD rumble are just showcasing, I think the basic features, they're not going to be truly innovative. It's just the, the party games. Um, even though Mario party is a party game, you know, it's, it's not the party games that are coming out at launch or like those cheap Wii sports stuff. So I think it's going to be a few months, um, before we really see the the true benefits of that technology. Yeah, and, and I agree. It, it's it's good. What we're waiting for is a very innovative third-party developer or for one of Nintendo's hardcore first-party uh, uh, you know, developers or maybe even one of their second-party developers to take that and find a game that makes it like truly highlighted. Um, that being said, it is very neat. I still find it a little odd that, that it's the choice that they went with. That's how they wanted to show this off. So it's not a big deal, but I still think that they did an excellent job of portraying the functionality. But that being said, let's move on to the next thing that they showed off in this, uh, on the Joy-Cons. So they also show that both Joy-Cons, both the Joy-Con L and the Joy-Con R, are going to have motion-based controls. Now, this is something I thought maybe wouldn't get translated to the Switch, uh, just because motion gaming has gotten a little... Annoying? And overplayed. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it was and a gimmick in the, in the, you know, the late 2000s, and you know, it was fun while it lasted, but it wasn't something that I thought they'd actually continue. It, 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 they keep bringing it out. Even Microsoft and, and you know, Sony have opted out. They don't want to mess with that anymore. They you know what's not fun? A sensor bar. That's not fun. And we oh, don't have no. that anymore. So thank yeah. God they yeah. found a way to do motion controls without you having to glue a stupid sensor bar that in two months' time is just going to fall off everything you put it on. Like, we, we got rid of the sensor bar, but we kept the motion controls. So that was at least a good thing. But I, I agree with you. It was uh, motion controls have become a gimmick. And, they're you know, they're outplayed. But the even the 1-2 Switch, let's we can just call a spade a spade. It's basically Wii Sports Switch edition. It looks really well. It looks like it works really well. I watched the Treehouse Live this morning. They decided to close the show on you know one to switch and they were playing ping pong and it's real the, the motion controls are really sensitive far better than either the wii or the wii u so it looks like they got them right still not something i prioritize but i i definitely think that this might be the console where motion control gaming might you know be rejuvenated again that being said I personally don't necessarily enjoy motion control game. I don't even necessarily enjoy games that use the gyroscope. Like I love Splatoon, but I don't play with the motion-based controls, and I don't think that's going to change in this generation. Uh, well, I'm glad that they're there. You know, I am. Are- I am too. I'm glad that they're there, and um, I'm with you. Like I'm not the biggest fan of motion controls, but they do have. They do serve a purpose, and you know the fact that. In Splatoon, they actually um, weren't just there. Like I think Splatoon is one of the first games 
where it it wasn't in there for a gimmick. Like in Mario Kart, it's motion controls don't help you. It is harder to race with them and they do not enhance anything about the game. But in Splatoon, if you can master the motion controls, they actually help you become a better player because you know, even even though I don't use the motion controls, I have situations in one-on-ones where I've got to do a quick like 180 degree turn and you can't do it as quickly um, if you're just using the the analog the motion controls allow you to to get in and out of those situations a lot faster and it actually enhances the gameplay it actually helps achieve a level of precision that you can't get with a traditional controller and that's what the genius about splatoon is um like i said you have to spend a lot of time mastering it because we're not used to playing games with motion controls but the fact that it's a game that you can actually take your performance to a higher level with motion controls it's not just there for a, for a gimmick i think does bode well in the future because um, there probably will be other games where the motion controls are not put in there you know just to show off at a party they're going to be put in there because it actually helps you. Um, but, you know, like, I'm glad that we do have the choice because uh, I don't like using motion controls all the time either. There's times where I just want to use a traditional controller. Absolutely. And uh, in the chat box just now, Do the Kid made an excellent point. He uh, said that they keep the gyro controls in because they're still aiming for that older demographic that do like the exercise that they get uh, from, you know, the consoles like the Wii. So do the kid. Excellent point. Thank you for joining the chat, by the way. Yeah, that's true. There, I mean, you do have to appeal to different demographics. And if you want the Switch to sell the numbers that the Wii had, you're going to have to appeal to those casual gamers. You're going to have to appeal to, you know, the 50, 60 year olds or the, the people who are in the, you know, the old people homes, because, you know, any, anybody that buys, you know, this switch like helps make money for Nintendo. So they're going to try to um, please the widest demographic possible um, while not, foregoing the hardcore gamers i think the problem with the wii was that it was seen by people as a too casual a, a system that didn't appreciate the core gamers enough so i think that even though they're they're trying to appeal to as many people as possible with the switch um they definitely have not forgot about the hardcore gamer and they have definitely got on board 100 percent with uh, competitive gaming, which is about time, but it's a great thing for some of these IPs, um, you know, like Splatoon, that we got confirmed there's going to be a Splatoon 2. Hold your horses, man. Hold your horses. We'll get there. We'll get there. But still, you know, that's actually a demographic I completely forgot about this time around because, honestly, the the Wii and the Wii U both aimed for the casual gamer while almost entirely neglecting the hardcore gamer. Now, they tried to get the hardcore gamer back, 
but there just wasn't enough in the Wii U. It just it didn't appeal to the hardcore gamer, and it didn't appeal to the third-party developers either. So it literally did not appeal to any of the people that it was striving to. Uh, so they went back and they tried to get that casual base back, and it, it, it flopped. It completely blew up in their faces, and you know the sales were were poor for the Wii U. They never really recovered, and Nintendo's image as a baby game maker stood firm. It wasn't until the end of the console's lifespan that they decided, okay, crap. Well, now we're not appealing to the casual gamer because they don't understand the difference between the Wii and the Wii U. We're not appealing to the hardcore gamer because the gamepad isn't something that the hardcore gamer necessarily understands. So what did they do? They reshift their focus. They released Smash, they released Splatoon, they released Pokken, they released a couple of M-rated games to try to get it back. By that point, we were too late in the Wii U's lifespan to alter the cause. And the Wii U suffered for it, and it suffered like no other Nintendo console suffered before other than the Virtual Boy. Uh, that being said, though, like I, you know, I really hope that the strides that they're making really make a difference. All right, so we've we've addressed the motion control. Let's move on to the infrared, the IR sensor. Uh, this is a weird thing as well. I, the way that they're show they showcased this was like it can gauge the distance between the Joy-Con and and whatever object is in front of it. So imagine that this hand is the Joy-Con and this hand right here is whatever object. It can determine how far away that object is, and it's sensitive enough to tell the difference between rock, paper, and scissors. So I don't know what kind of application that's going to be used for. Um, I, I know that they did say that one, two switch would have functionality with the IR sensor, but I don't think they did enough or said enough about it to truly justify why we should care about it. Well, maybe in some, you know, uh, there are some third-party developers that might find some uses for that. Like maybe there will be like a, a Naruto game where you have to do like the ninjutsu symbols to get the, you know, the right uh, <laughs> ninjutsu going. Because you know how they have, they have all those like, you know, the this. I mean, they 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 call them like you know like rat, dog, chicken. They have like symbols that they do with their hands in the show for that. I don't know. Maybe they they could. Um, make a game where, where you've got to do stuff like that, which would be pretty crazy, or like a Pokemon game where you have to do the Z crystal pose for everything. That probably would be annoying. But there, I'm sure someone can think of a good reason to, to use that technology. Right now, it just exists, and Nintendo is just trying to come up with the most basic. It's like I said with the uh, HD Rumble. They're just coming out with the most basic functions that it can do. The more advanced and truly innovative functions will come later. Right now, it's rock, paper, scissors. Right now, it's, you know, ice cubes in the, the damn controller. Great. You know, but that's not what it's going to be best at. It just hasn't been figured out yet. They created the technology and eventually someone will find a way to take advantage of it the right way. Yeah, 100% agree. Let's go ahead and move forward. This is something that uh, I, I desperately wanted to come back 
it was important to me that this feature came back. It's one of my favorite features on the Wii U. And that's the NFC uh, reader is back. It's on the Joy-Con R. It's actually right under the analog stick. Basically, what this means is Amiibo support is, in fact, there. They kind of hinted at it in the, the trailer that was released back in October, but they didn't outright confirm it. But they did show it. It is going to be there, and I'm pleased about that because I love my Amiibo collection. I always have, and I want it to be... I want it to be something that Nintendo continues to strive for because ultimately Amiibo are still a little cash cow. And secondly, it is the only way that we're going to have uh, high-quality Nintendo figures at a relatively low price. and Because I, I get real sick of paying the import prices for certain things, and Amiibo kind of scratched that itch for me. Uh, that being said, the Joy-Cons do have their own version of the Nintendo condoms or straps. Uh, they seem less invasive this time, but they're there. But guys, moving on, because there's one feature on the Joy-Con that is so important that I said if the Nintendo Switch does not have this feature, hardcore gamers won't give a fuck. They just won't. It's something that I have wanted. I got a PS4 for Christmas this year for my uh, fiance. And one of the things that is so intriguing to me about the PS4 and the thing I kind of like the most is I have the ability to capture images and stream content. So guys, if you watch the channel through, throughout the Christmas break, I streamed Uncharted 4 and I streamed The Last of Us HD. And I really enjoyed streaming. I thought, I was like, why, why, why is this not on the Wii U? Why is streaming not a priority for Nintendo? People love to play games. People love to share games. That's like the basis of video games is sharing. And, you know, being able to capture footage from a gameplay, that's still sharing the game experience. And it's once I started doing it on the PS4, it's something that I desperately wanted to be on the Switch. And nobody said anything about it until last night. They did confirm that we are going to have limited capture functionality at launch, just with images right now, but that it would advance to be able to capture gameplay. And yes. that's important. I'm, I'm super excited about that. I, I, like I said, I said the Switch needs this to really appeal to the hardcore gamers, and they listened. Yeah, they made it a priority. They actually gave us a specific button that does only that, the capture button. So you have a capture button on your controller. Right now, I can only take pictures, but they're going to introduce video in the coming months of the Switch launch. So eventually, you're going to be able to capture video and it's going to be able to do all of the great things that um, an Xbox One or a PS4 can do. It's so important. I agree with you. People love to share their video game experiences, and we definitely needed this. So uh, especially the fact that there's a capture button, like that's that's a great thing. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to do it. It It's like I... I, I I really want to know what level of integration it's going to have, though. Is it going to be Twitch only? Is it going to be Twitch and YouTube? Is it going to be, you know, only YouTube? I want to know what level of integration it's going to have with those third-party services. That's also key because just because you can capture – because I don't want this to end up like a Miiverse thing where I can capture footage 
but only shared on Meverse, that would be a that would be a down that would be bad. I don't think like, that's going to happen because Nintendo has already integrated the Wii U um, and the Wii like with Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and um, there. If you if you have a Wii U gamepad, I mean that's how I watch uh, Netflix and Hulu. I, you know I I do it through my Wii U, so <clears throat> I think that it's not going to be that difficult for Nintendo to integrate all of this with the you know in the right places. So I'm pretty sure that once once it happens, you'll be able to post all this stuff to YouTube. That's a good thing that we're talking about all of the uh, you know streaming and and uh, you know the capture button because that just leads us right into online features, which um, you know is one of the things that a lot of people have criticized Nintendo for, you know myself included, because you know, we we've been. We've been getting a free service from them, which is good, but we've been getting a service that is not the same quality as what you would get, you know, with Sony or Microsoft, you know, with especially when you consider that we're playing all these competitive games right now with no voice chat. And so people are forced to go outside of Nintendo and using apps like Discord just so that you can have a Splatoon match. And And that... well, yeah, but when when uh, we had the tournament on Battlefield, you had to use Discord. So that's a really big deal. But they come out with that, and then they say that, you know, actually, if you if you want to use our online services, you're going to have to use a mobile app, and that is where the voice communication is going to be. So at the end of the day, you're still going to have to use your phone to do the voice communication because it's not um, like you were, you were telling me that there is not a microphone built into the switch. Yeah. It's not integrated. Voice communication functions are not integrated into the switch. This here's the thing. Like Nintendo wanted to have its cake and eat it too. When it came to things like online services and voice chat, Nintendo has never been a proponent of voice chat. To my knowledge, there is only one game made by Nintendo that actually has a voice chat function, and you can't use that server anymore, and that game is Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Those games allowed for voice chat when you traded and when you battled. Since then, no other Nintendo game has allowed for voice chat. They just do not trust people. Nintendo does not trust people to make their own decisions as far as who they can and cannot communicate to. Um, now, I understand why. The flip side is that little kids are getting molested by adults. Well, you know? it's it, it, yeah, that's true. But I don't think that that's the main issue because that's really rare. I think the main issue is that if you go online, you're going to meet trolls. Like most, like when you go online, you know, having being put in a situation that could be dangerous for yourself is very rare. But being put in a situation that could be demeaning or degrading or something that could definitely um, take away some of the enjoyment from your experience is probably pretty frequent because we get those online trolls. You get, you know, you play online and and you get like cussed out by like, you know, a 10-year-old and you're like, where did you learn those words? And it's just like, you know, you get all these people online and and Nintendo being a family-friendly company... I get it. They don't want uh, kids to go online and have to deal with, 
trolls and foul language and just mean-spirited players um, because we've all been there. If you if we recorded like one play session of us playing Splatoon, Nintendo would be like, oh my god, we were right. We should never ever allow voice chat ever. That would be terrible because the things that we say are you know so bad. But um, okay, I'm in a way doing it through an app on your phone that's something not native to the Switch is kind of a way to get around that because it's like telling parents, well, you can still play online, but your kids aren't going to have to deal with, you know, anything inappropriate unless you get them this app. And that's kind of a way out of some of the liability issues for Nintendo because they can say, well, look, you know, any of these experiences that are happening, they're not happening on a Nintendo console. They're happening through an app that's, you know, not made by Nintendo. So if you don't well, want to... App. Okay, well, they're, they're, they're happening on, on an app that's not native to the, the Switch. So they're happening, you know, kind of... It kind of takes the, the Switch out of it. So it's like, well, just, you know, don't play with the app if you don't want to hear all that stuff. So I get it. But the fact that... You know, it just means that, like, if you're playing online, that's one more thing that you have to worry about. And I do it already with, with Discord. You know, I use my laptop or I use my phone. But if your phone dies while you're trying to play, you know, the Switch um, online, it could – I can see it being a little frustrating, you know, when you're like, damn it, like, now – Especially if you're taking your switch somewhere outside of your house and, and you're, you know, on the go and you're trying to play online and then you're like, well, like, what do I do? Do I charge my phone or do I charge my switch? You know, because um, you've got to choose now because you have two things. I have a battery, a juice pack that has multiple ports, so I don't have to choose. I just I, I took that out of the equation. I was like, I'm gonna use my juice pack to charge my switch, and I'm gonna charge my phone at the same time. I'm good on that on that end. But I mean, that's still me having to buy a third piece, you know, of hardware outside. Well, but I like the phone concept. Like, it's it's not it's not the ideal solution. The ideal solution would have been for it to be integrated into the console itself. That yes, is the ideal easier. solution. But it's a it's a workaround. It's it's Nintendo saying. We're going to at least develop the app for you. We're going to make it. We're going to make something for you to have that communication that you've been asking for. Uh, we're not going to put it in the console itself, but we're giving you an option. And, and what I like about the app itself is that you get the app for free when you get the online services. You're not paying separately for the app. But you will be able to, with this app, is instantly communicate to people and let them know, hey, I'm going to be online. You want to play. And, you know, you can message each other through that. You can set up play sessions. Uh, you will have your voice communication. Like I said, Nintendo's having their cake and eating it too when it comes to how they're going to deal with voice communications. I don't necessarily think it's 100% in the right direction, but it's at least a step forward for Nintendo because... I 10 years ago, when the Wii came out, voice communication was literally a dream. Well, not on the DS. If you had Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, that was voice communication before the iPhone even came out. So, but I mean, 
I agree with you. It is a step in the right direction. I'm a little bit on the fence about how I feel about it, just because I can see the pros and cons of of both uh, sides. Having a voice chat integrated into the Switch makes it more convenient. Everything is, you know, internal. You have less things to carry around, less things to worry about. It's just easier. But having an app on your phone, there there are benefits to that too. Um, you know, like you said, you can invite friends to play online. You can set um, gaming appointments. You can do all this stuff on your app. So when you're going around and uh, let's say you're at work or you're just, you know, out shopping and you don't have your Switch with you, you can kind of still access it using your phone because you always have your phone with you. So now one thing that, that we did have a little bit of a discussion earlier um, before the show started was that a lot of kids will will probably um, not be able to benefit from it because, you know, most kids don't start getting their first smartphone until they're about 12 years old. Um, so kids that are like, you know, 12, 11 and under, they're, they're going to kind of be out of luck as far as voice communications are concerned. But then the other side of the coin is that, well, do they really need to be using voice chat online, one, and um, and two, you know, are, are really young kids even really going to care about it that much? So, I, you know, like I said, I can see the benefits from having an app because it does allow you to manage it and access uh, aspects about online gaming while you're away from your Switch, while you're at work, while you're, you know, just using your phone. So I think that I'm on the fence because I think that it could work. It could work to where I am glad that it's an app on the phone, but I need to use it first to really give an assessment as to how I think. And as to your point about the uh, the juice pack, um, one thing that they did uh, confirm was that the battery life is going to be between two and a half to six and a half hours, depending on the game. But it and they didn't say this, but it's also going to be depending on whether you're using Wi-Fi or not. Because if you're if you're playing online, it's going to decrease the battery life as well. But they also said the switch can play while it's charging, and that you're going to be able to using a special USB cord charge it into you know a regular juice pack, which is great. However, because the switch is obviously going to take more juice than your phone, like having those little those sticks that you know, people carry around that charge their phone once, that's not going to work for the Switch. That's that's going to hold a charge maybe for a little bit, but I, I have a feeling you're going to need to, you know, and I don't know what the MAH is for, like, Nintendo hasn't really said, like, what the desired MAH for the juice pack that, it, like, the, the specifications, like, well, you know, we're going to recommend that you use this strength of a juice pack. Because I have one that has two ports as well. But the juice pack that I have, I believe it's supposed to charge my phone like four and a half or five times, which is which is good. Um, and I, you know, I hope that that would something like that would be powerful enough for me to charge my switch with, um, you know, once, maybe maybe twice. But um, it it one it remains to be seen. Um, the, the power we're going to need for those juice packs. And two, the juice pack industry, if you haven't bought stocks in it yet, just, just 
just do it now because it ain't going away anytime soon. With Pokemon Go and the Nintendo Switch and all this portable gaming juice packs are here to stay. <laughs> you know, there is another app that Nintendo did say that they were going to release. It's a parental control app. This kind of goes hand in hand with the voice control app. This app allows parents to monitor what their kids are playing. So they can set play times. So if the kid is only supposed to play for an hour a day, then you can actually set it so that it only plays for an hour a day. And if they decide they want to exceed that limit, the parent actually has the power from their mobile device to actually put the switch into sleep mode and end that child's place. Really? Yes. <laughs> so, so if your parents are like at work and you know, you're supposed to be at home doing your homework, you're supposed to be at home doing your homework and you're playing the switch they could just get on their phone and be like, it's like, mommy, no. Yeah, they actually have this really cute little video of Bowser and Bowser Jr. showing how these functions work. It's on YouTube. It's a funny little video. Uh, I feel bad for any kid whose parent monitors their gameplay sessions that hardcore, but I do see how, as a concerned parent, that is an ideal solution. It, and it's one of those things that makes Nintendo look great in the eyes of parents. And it what I the one function that I thought was actually pretty interesting was they could actually set the parental level of the games that the child should be playing. So if if the kid is not supposed to be playing mature games, then the parent can set the age the you know the the age content games that they want. Like it has to be like E through T. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty incredible. So That's like, like almost like region locking it, but for you know, the, the, the ESRB ratings. Well, and that's what I really, you know, it, it, that kind these two apps that Nintendo's coming out with for the switch. I, I kind of like it because they also re-show Nintendo's dedication to the mobile platform and integrating that mobile platform into their consoles. That was something that they did say they were going to do. They were going to find a way to integrate the, their, their next generation hardware with mobile hardware and that's how they do it using a communication app and a parental control app now that being said we grew up in a time where it was kind of like the wild wild west for video games and people got all bent out of shape over it imagine having this technology during the mortal Kombat era back in 1992 like my parents were like vehemently against me playing mortal Kombat for a long time if you had given my parents this kind of power over the games that I played as a child it would it would have completely changed where I would have gone as a gamer it would have changed the way I played video games because it's like big brothers watching it's true <laughs> yeah mommy and daddy are gonna shut your switch down but um you know and I remember back in those days like I remember when the ESRB ratings first started to come out and um even the retailers weren't really sure how to go about like dealing with it. So, cause I remember I used to go and buy um, mature games when I was like 13 or 14, I would go to target, you know, I would get, you know, pick up some games and uh, they would let me buy it even though that I was underage because at that time, you know, enforcing ESRB ratings there, there still was a lot of confusion around it and people weren't really sure like, well, you know, I know it says like 
NC-17, but, or, or, you know, MA, mature, but, you know, are kids still allowed to, to buy it? And a lot of times, you know, they, they let me buy it. I think there was one time where, I don't know, I was like maybe 14 or 15, and someone was like, are you 17? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, does your, do your parents let you play these games? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in high school. And they're like, okay. And then they just let me buy it. But you're right. Like it's, you know, the um, power that parents have to make sure that their kids um, don't play these games like we did is, is a lot greater now than it's ever been. So that is kind of a reassurance to parents um, that if you buy a Nintendo Switch, you're still going to be able to make sure that your kids don't play those kind of games. Um, but, you know, I, the, those are, are, at the end of the day, they're not going to be the most, whether those features are there or not, are not going to affect the success of the uh, Switch. There's a lot of other things that we've got to get into. To I agree. Know. I agree, but... You're right, but I'm glad that they're there. You know, I have a niece. She's, you know, she's she's still a newborn, but at some point she's gonna wanna she's gonna be playing games because that's just you know me and my brother grew up as gamers, and that's something that we're gonna share with our kids. And she's definitely gonna grow up playing video games, and you know, I want to make sure at some level that my niece and when I have kids, my own kids are protected. This is something that as a parent, when I become a parent. I see the value in it, and I appreciate Nintendo all the more for it. It's just one of those things that – it's one of those little things that you wouldn't expect from a video game company that it does make the difference when it comes to educating a parent about what their kids play. Oh, your kids are going to be bad. They're going to uh, hack into your phone and, like, manually override that. <laughs> oh, almost definitely. My kids are going to be smart, evil little dumb geniuses who do whatever the – whatever. Yeah, you already know, like – I'm going to have devil children with horns and whatnot, but still knowing that I can monitor it even slightly, like I'm not going to be like so overbearing, but I do want to make sure that they are playing age appropriate content. True. Uh, one more th point that I want to address before we move on from the online features, uh, the online features, they're going to be, uh, there's going to be a monthly subscription service. So it's not free anymore, which is good because it allows Nintendo to provide a higher quality service for us. But it's going to be free from March until the fall, whenever that is. Um, you know, and if I had to guess, I would say probably September, and that's when they're going to introduce the the payment structure. So for you know a good um, you know probably about six months, I would say we're going to be getting a we're going to be getting that high quality online service for free, which is a lot of um, you know that's that's like. A lot of goodwill Nintendo showing towards their um, their customers, saying like, you know, it's it's kind of almost like saying we're sorry that we didn't provide this for so long. So, you know, if you guys get a Switch, you can have it for free all the way up until you know the fall, and then then we'll start charging you, which I think is is really great. Again, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, the paid for service, it's going to rub some people the wrong way, most definitely. Uh, especially depending on price pricing depending on what they they determine the the, the cost of this service is going to be will determine how many people use it this happens with playstation this happens with xbox but ultimately the playstation and xbox have superior online services far less crashing goes on 
when you're playing a game on those consoles than when you play on the Switch. I don't know how many Splatoon sessions I have wanted to put my fist through my TV because the server errors. This is something that could be rectified. It could have been rectified as... This should have been rectified by the by the launch of the Wii U, and it wasn't. They waited a whole extra generation to fix this. That was bad. So we literally went from the Wii, which had moderately good, you know, Wi-Fi, but it didn't need it back then because not all the games went online the way they, they do now. Nintendo's always been behind the curve when it comes to online integration in video games. They, they're about 10 years behind everybody else. This is only a step in the right direction. It catches them up by like three years, but they're still, by that math, they're still seven years behind what Microsoft and Sony are doing with their services. They need to get on board and they need to make sure that this is a fair price point and that these servers are going to be sustainable and easy to maintain and something that we can truly use to our benefit as gamers. So I'm very skeptical about the pay for service. I am happy that they're finally moving to this model, but I am highly skeptical about how successful they're going to be because up till now, they have not been successful on the you know, as far as their internet front has been concerned. They've they have failed a hundred percent when it comes to internet integrations in their consoles. They need to do better. It, it shame, it's a shame that the 3DS has better Wi-Fi capabilities than the Wii U. That is fucking shameful. It is, but it just proves that it can be done and that Nintendo does have you know, good integration with their handhelds. But I think the model for the uh, PS4 and Xbox One, I think it's somewhere around 50 or 60 bucks per year, which uh, works out to be around uh, five bucks a month, which is very reasonable. And if Nintendo follows a similar model, I think that uh, there won't be, you know, very much backlash at all because it's going on in line with what the other two competitors are doing. And I think that this is just becoming a standard in the console industry where if you want to get, sometimes you got to pay for it. If you want a high quality service, sometimes you got to pay for it. All right, guys. And with that, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to cut this episode into two parts. So go ahead, download part two of our first episode of Nintendo Switch It Up, where we're going to talk about the first party games, the third party games, and the games that we thought were going to be at this conference that weren't. So go ahead, download part two. Stay fresh. Deuces.